0: Hi, and welcome to Creative Conversations for the Soul, the podcast that speaks to inspiring individuals and curious minds, lifting the lid on what it means to embrace true, wholehearted creativity. I'm Amber, and I'm your host. I'm a copywriter, writing mentor, and content strategist at The Wild Wordsmith, creating soulful stories for free spirited brands. Today is my first ever interview episode and I'm speaking to the wonderful Greta Solomon. Greta is a writer, author, writing teacher, and journal healer. Through her books and courses, she guides people to use journaling, writing, and creative self-expression to wake up, connect to inner wisdom, and heal the tender, violated parts of their inner worlds. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation because honestly, Greta is utterly incredible. A word of warning, you may want your journal to hand for this one. I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, Greta. Thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast.
1: Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful to be here and really looking forward to our chat.
0: Oh, me too. I'm really excited for this one. We're going to be talking about journaling predominantly and how journaling can be an act of self-love and inner empowerment, which is something that I know is incredibly close to your heart and your business. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you about that. But to get things started, uh, something that I really want to do at the beginning of all of these interview type episodes is both share our creative goal for the week. So whether that's a big one or a small one, whether it's to do with our business or personal, whatever that might look like. So Yeah, I'd love to hear from you what your creative goal is this week. Yes, definitely.
1: So mine is a little bit different, actually, from what I might normally do. So I'm preparing a masterclass in overcoming imposter syndrome through journal healing. And I, you know, I've done so many talks and workshops, and I'd normally do them in a quite sort of traditional way, in a sense, you know, with some slides, perhaps, and some activities and things like that. But I kind of got this download the other day, that, in order to really fully illustrate what imposter syndrome is, that I need to have these cartoon characters And to sort of show what happens on the outside of you as a person using these cartoon characters and what happens inside and the sort of push and pull between the two. So my creative goal for this week is, I'm not an artist, I'm not going to draw these myself, but it's to actually find some cartoons, like cartoon Im- images, and actually create these sort of avatars and use that to explain imposter syndrome and explain how
0: people can heal. So it's something a bit different, something I'm quite excited to do. Oh, that sounds really interesting. And do you think? so do you think you'll, you'll look for an artist or a designer or something to help you bring those to life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for now, I'm going to find some stock images somewhere yeah. on the internet
1: and sort of adapt. Um, Yeah, just get creative with it. I mean, I have the exact image of what I I want in my head. So it's just a matter of of bringing that to life. So it's just, yeah,
0: that's going to be a really fun project, I think. And something's just something really different. That sounds amazing. Oh, I'm excited to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. For me, I'm, um, so I'm working on a book at the moment, which is obviously a very, very hefty task, but I'm taking a little break from it. Over the next couple of weeks, because there's a competition that Grazia runs, actually along with I think it's women's fiction or some something like that. But it's a first chapter competition, and they give you the first paragraph of a book, and you have to write the rest of the chapter. And so I'm going to give that a go. Um, it's a really fantastic springboard for people who are looking to get their work published. So I thought oh, I'll take a little break from writing the book for a few weeks and work on that instead. And it's, you know, I'm sure I probably won't get chosen or anything, but it's, it's worth trying, isn't it? And I enjoy doing it. So yeah, that's going to be my focus. That's amazing. I've actually seen that. I saw that issue of
1: Grazia and it's Dorothy Coomson, isn't it? Yes. Who's written the opening and I read the opening
0: and it was like, wow, this is so intriguing. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah. My brain yeah. was going into overdrive when I was reading. I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many ways that this could go. It's a Yeah, it's a really good opening that they've chosen. It's a great competition. The idea behind it is fantastic, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's wonderful. So yeah, wishing you all the best with that and hope you have fun with it and really enjoy what you come up
0: with. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So if we get properly digging into the subject matter of this episode, I'd like to start by asking you a bit more about your I suppose mission statement because I think it's absolutely gorgeous um, that you help people own their power as a creative empath or sensitive and I just think that is just very intriguing and beautiful and I would love to hear you talk about that I suppose in your own words and then I'd like to see how journaling and maybe free writing ties into that fantastic mission.
1: Yes, definitely. So I'm going to be quite candid in the way I, I describe this. So my family background, my position in the family was that my, the family system that I grew up in was a very narcissistic one. And so my position was really that of the scapegoat in the, in this situation. And what that meant in practice was that me as a sensitive person, as a creative, as an empath, it meant that it didn't really matter what I did or what I said or what I achieved or what I didn't achieve. There would be some form of devaluation around that, and that happens in so many different ways. It can happen in a family situation like it did for me. It can happen at school, it happens in friendship groups, it happens in community groups, it happens in whole sort of societies where the creative is kind of seen as the one that's really not as good as as the others, you know where science is given complete um, authority or maths is given, the authority as this is facts and truth and this real things. And in the kind of mystical world, people who are more in their imagination and more in their creative side are just seen as not good enough. And so to give a specific example of how it came about for me and why this is my mission now. So for example, when I did my A-levels, going back ages and ages because I'm 43 now. (laughs) So in the old days of doing my A-levels, as a a writer, I've always been a writer, you know, since I was little. So I'm good at writing and was very good at exams. And I got three A-grades at A-level, worked really super hard and got my grades. And the message from home wasn't that, oh, this is great that you've done so well, or oh, now you can go to uni and or have a good summer or anything like that. It was that, wow, these exams must be really easy now if you've managed to get those kinds of grades. And, oh, gosh. And it, what happens is that over time when you experience these kinds of reactions is that who you are, your sense of self, your sense of worth, your sense of just being a person who is sure of themselves that kind of gets interspersed with these doubts about yourself, with these sort of, you know, fragments of fear, with shame, and thinking, you know, oh, I have to hide who I am then. And, and and you know consciously what the truth is, but you start to doubt it yourself. And so going back to the mission statement of helping people who are empathic, people who are sensitive, who are creative, to own their power, that power now comes from finding your core self and strength again. And the only way to do that is to heal the elements of shame that have been sort of woven in around that, heal the sort of fear that you've got from that perhaps you're not good enough, or perhaps you can't do it, or you can't succeed, and and heal the the feeling that you aren't maybe too sensitive or maybe just too weird or that, you know, yeah. too too creative in a sense, or not creative enough, or do you see what I mean? It's always yeah. either you were too much or too little of something, and sometimes simultaneously, and that's the sort of struggle that... People who are empathic and creative and sensitive have, and that is such a, a something that's so dear to my heart. Having healed from that and having gone through that process, and it's just a, such a natural extension now to to teach and and
0: help others to do the same. I think that that's really interesting. And going back to this idea of, I suppose, creatives and those you know, the subjects that are seen as a bit fluffier, not being taken as seriously as like the sciences and the maths, like you mentioned, I can absolutely relate with that. Even in university, I remember when, when I first moved into halls and it was almost like there was, well, not even almost, there was an absolute divide between half of the apartment who were medics. One of the girls did law and Another one was a pharmacist. And then the creatives on the other side, so the people like me who were doing English, and there was someone doing sociology and psychology. And it was like, time and time again, there was this very clear divide that we weren't seen as, I suppose, taking as serious subjects and... I think that that's something that, that definitely stayed with me for quite a while that the, cause I'm the same. I've been writing since I could hold a pen, like I'd be scrolling poems and everything. And that maybe there was a slight disappointment that I hadn't taken another route. Whereas now I couldn't be, I could not be doing anything else. There's no doubt about that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I don't know whether, do you feel like that's something that's changing or do you think that those stereotypes, I suppose, are still existing at the moment? I think that it was so indoctrinated in society for the
1: longest time and everybody wanted to conform to that. And it has shifted now. And I think especially since the pandemic and especially since the sort of new era we're in, planetary speaking, we we are in a new era that came about on the 21st, on the solstice of last year, of 2020. But what something sort of quite specific that the pandemic has done is that people really appreciate the arts now. They really appreciate the amazing Netflix series yeah. that are on <laughs> and the creativity, the, the flair, the stories that we get to see nowadays are just phenomenal. And people are seeing that the things they thought were so real and so firm, we're no more real or firm than creativity and self-expression because everything just crumbled this last year. Workplaces, shops are closed. The things we thought we could touch that were, that were the true things in life, they're just, you know, we kind of see that everything matters now. Yeah, And there is no right or wrong and there is no, this is good and that's not good. And of course not everyone sees it that way, (laughs) but there is a shift and I think that the the kind of careers that used to be so stable and so sure that you could make money or you could get a job in that or you could stay there for 50 years, they just don't exist anymore. So there is now this sort of great democracy and people who are creative now can take such a real advantage of that and use that to their strength. It's the time of the
0: creative. This is our time now. We finally arrived, you know. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. And even um, I I buy all of my books from a local bookstore and they've stayed open just to go and collect them. You know, you can't go in and browse or anything like that. And the last time I went to pick up a book, I asked them, you know, how, how are things going, how are sales going and everything. And he said, you know what? Really, really good. He was like, indie bookstores and bookstores in general are absolutely, they're thriving. And yes, okay, we want to support, you know, I do think that the pandemic has taught us that we want to support local, but people are reading more. They're wanting to escape into these other worlds and they're appreciating creativity in its many different forms. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, a, it's actually a very exciting time. And so where would you say, I mean, there's many ways that journaling obviously comes into this. But in terms of recognizing your power as a creative, as an empath, as a sensitive, where do you believe that journaling starts to come into it? Well, your power as um, a creative, sensitive or empath is in your voice.
1: And that voice has been eroded over time if you haven't been able to fully stand in who you are. So journaling or writing is just so fantastic for many reasons, because firstly, you get to actually put yourself on the page. You get to actually say what you think and what you feel completely freely with no censorship. Yeah. And I know that's um, this is one of the key things I teach because. We can learn over time to really censor ourselves so that even when we are journaling, when we are putting ourselves on the page, there's still these blocks and still this fear of what we might see. Yeah. And so a lot of the work in journaling isn't just, oh, I'm gonna get a really nice diary or a really nice notebook and I'm gonna write a few things down and then everything's great. It is really about figuring out how to healed that shame. And a lot of it can be simple things like grammar shame, where people have just been criticized for their spelling and really? grammar at school. And they find that their teachers were just instead of sort of saying, Oh, wow, I love your story, or love your characters, they were just saying, Okay, these errors are really bad. And you know, you didn't format this correctly. And people get really, really blocked from that. So a lot of the work is unblocking that kind of shame. But also looking at all the times where your voice was taken away from you, and another really common one when people start to journal is they remember that time when their parents or their sometimes it's really common for people's partners or not so much friends but it's people who are very close to them in an intimate relationship to have read their diary, yes, and yeah. broke that yeah. kind of bond, yeah, and to have shamed them about the contents and said, "Well, I can't believe you wrote that," and you know, and people can get incredibly blocked as well and thinking that it's just not safe. To even write in your personal space, in your bedroom, with all the lights out, you know, and just a little flashlight, even just in that sort of personal space, that it's not safe. And so journaling is so good for this because when you can gradually, incrementally give yourself space, give yourself permission, do affirmations that make you feel like you can get these words on the page, you start to expand internally. You start to grow in, in self, in, in who you are. And that can only then spill out into the world as a a sensitive person you can't start from the outside in and this is the problem we've had I think because the world has said or put on a fancy suit or Mm -hmm. "or wear a cool a really beautiful dress or do your makeup and then your things will be great you'll look successful you'll be successful but for people who feel in a really deep way it has to start deep within otherwise that person doesn't feel confident and, and it's no, and, and it doesn't matter how often someone can say, "Oh, but you're great," but oh, you're so clever, <laughs> love what you do. If you can't feel that deep within, it creates this um, static within you. You know, this static electricity that just don't it's anxiety, I suppose you could call it. And you just don't feel good enough to to do what you know you can do. And it's so it, journaling is just the power. Is it, the power is in your pen. And when you learn to take control of your pan, you take control of you and stop letting others take control of what you feel, what you believe, and you start to control your voice in terms of what you'll say, when you'll say, how you'll say it. So it's, it goes really deep. When you think of journaling, you think, oh, you don't realize it's so deep in a way until you really dive deep down into it. I don't know what your your experience of journaling is. How how do you do it for yourself, for example?
0: Yeah, so I journal depending on what kind of place I am mentally. So as a general practice, I like doing morning pages and I use that just to get ready for the day. And it's quite a, very rarely the morning pages go that deep, but then it's when I do my journaling with prompts or maybe I, I pull cards and we'll journal off the back of that. And I like to spend kind of quite a long time just going and shutting myself off and really diving into it and that's when the really juicy stuff comes out and it's things that i didn't even know were on my mind i knew that i felt stressed and anxious but it's only when i actually start journaling that i realize what it is because i've got so many layers and blocks that i've put on top of that problem whatever it is i'm thinking about that i need to journal to wade through them and bring it back up to the surface but one of the things I was going to mention, actually, um, as you were talking, because we were kind of, you were kind of mentioning a few of the things that can stop people from journaling. So this fear of someone finding it or the worry that, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm not a writer, so I can't journal. And it's like, no, it's just for you. It doesn't matter if you're a writer. Well, everyone is a writer, first of all. But I know that I do find a block. If I'm in a particularly low place or a particularly anxious place i actually find it harder to get myself to journal because i'm i'm scared of what is underneath all of those layers and i don't know if that's something that you ever find or any of the people that you work with find because when i do it it helps absolutely but pushing through that door and getting myself to kind of do the hard work can be very very difficult for me if i'm not in a good place And I think for
1: that kind of situation, it's really important to move the energy around in your body. And to also see that writing is movement. So I always recommend to my clients that not to write from the mind to write from the body and the heart. And that's literally Mm -hmm. by getting in your body. So things like walking is so amazing. When you start walking, you start unraveling your thoughts, they're able to sort of go through the body. And then when you pick up the pen to write you feel like oh i can i can write this i can, I can do this and also things like that access your artist brain i always recommend things like chopping up vegetables having a shower taking a drive things that get you moving anything and not an exercise but not exercise as in traditional exercise like mindful movement so things like tai chi or qigong or jumping up and down shaking a bit things that you do from an instinct or an impulse that gets you flowing and then you're able to just tackle what's there and what can also help is to do activities that completely bypass the mind and the body and get straight to the heart space so i recommend um, all my clients So for for like my courses and uh, my books that i've written i recommend this activity called object writing where you're focusing on your seven senses and that's see hear touch taste smell feel and move And you just take an object, take a piece of fruit, you take your cup of tea, anything that's around you, and you free write on this object, just focusing on those senses. And you don't stop to think, you don't stop to cross out, you just follow wherever your senses lead you. And if they lead you away from the object, you just follow that. And that's a really great exercise for dropping down into the heart, so that when you then go and actually start to write about the thing that was really bothering you, the really anxious thing, you're writing from a free, heart-centered space, and you can get it out before you know you've got it out, before you're able to judge it. So, a lot of these sort of exercises and journaling is about how can you stop yourself from getting in the way and just get straight onto the page, like from you know from the heart to the page.
0: I love that, and. I can actually really relate to when you mentioned about even if you just get outside and go for a walk, because um, I used to live in Australia and although I was living in a beautiful place, I had a really, you know, I had a very great good life over there, but I was very, very poorly mentally and like very ill. And the only time I could actually journal, I would take my notebook and I'd go for a long walk along the headlands. And then I would just sit down do some deep breaths and then I'd be able to write and get it out of me, but I couldn't do it if I was staying in the house or anything like that. But the act of just getting outside and moving my body meant that I could access what was going on inside me. So yeah, I can definitely relate yeah, to that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Sorry, I was just gonna say
1: that also like you trusted that intuition. We we know what's mm. good for us. We know what we need. And it's it's amazing that you trusted that and you were able to to write
0: then through walking yeah and do you think that trusting your intuition obviously that is a very intuitive thing to do but would you do you have any advice i suppose that you could give people who don't know how to trust their intuition if that makes sense That makes complete sense and i think if if you're an
1: intuitive person which i imagine everybody on listening is, is going to be pretty naturally intuitive the problem is sometimes you don't know what intuition is and what fear is and Partly you learn through experience, but if you don't know, you just have to go with what presents. So you're feeling something and you just have to feel it. Only then will you know what it is. And I think it's also important to understand what intuition is, sort of in a, an energetic sense, that it is this sort of channel in your body where you are tapping into something a little bit higher than yourself. So you're tapping into sort of nature or you're tapping into deep, deep
0: feelings and you're sort of bringing that into your body. What you mentioned about this difference between what is fear and what is intuition, that is a very interesting point. So how can we know which is which and when we are actually accessing our intuition? I think ultimately the intuitive voice is one that's not abusive
1: towards you I was trying to think of uh, the right word for this one that that speaks in messages that are always useful for the highest you if you see what I mean it's not going to tell you go to that party because there might be a boy that you like there and and then maybe you'll go out with him I mean that's a really silly example because that's (laughs) not maybe not for your highest good do you see what I mean it will tell you something like if you go to this party then there will be a chance meeting here and something amazing will happen for you. Like it's not going to be so specific about the things you really want. It's not about what you are desiring, perhaps on a deep level or a specific level. It will be like a download that that feels good to you, that you almost have to write it down as quickly as you can. Otherwise you won't be able to catch it. But fear will just, Yabber away. It will just chat away. You'll hear it all the time, telling you things. But these intuitive downloads—they come, and they're—you have to—you have to catch it like a like a flower or something that's just falling from 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 the the air.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what would you say are some of the other reasons that might stop people from journaling, and especially that intuitive journal? Well, I think all journaling is intuitive, actually, but. What are some of the other things that you believe get in the way of people just actually doing it and then obviously reaping all of those wonderful rewards of journaling? I think it is the fear of the shadow, the
1: fear that what you might think about yourself, any bad things you might think about yourself, or any bad things that other people have told you about yourself, that they might be true. That can be really frightening. And also, if you've been in difficult situations, if you're going through grief, if you're going through loss, and and these situations are so complex that it's fear of what you might see, fear of the truth. And I would advise just be so gentle with yourself. You don't have to see everything straight away. It literally is word by word, sentence by sentence. If today you just wrote two sentences, more than enough. Yeah. You know, if tomorrow you think you want to write a bit more, then you go and do that. It's really about just allowing what comes, I think, and doing some really great creative writing exercises that sort of start to sort of encourage more, more to come.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think as well, there's, you know, some people really love reading back on their journals. I know that some people, whenever they write, they actually rip the page out and throw it away. There's so many different ways that people go about it but I feel like some people there is a fear of oh but I wouldn't want to read it back if it were you know especially if it was during a particularly difficult time but it's that reminder that a you don't have to and b it can be so empowering to read back on those tougher times I mean I st- I keep all of my journals and especially my journals from Australia they're very difficult to read. They're very, very hard. There's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness in there. But when I read them, yes, I find it sad because I'm sad for that girl, but I'm so happy and proud that I've been able to come away from that. And I think that that's something that maybe people forget is a very big benefit of it. And it doesn't have to be, it's, you know, it's a benefit, not a negative. I don't know if you would agree with that. Definitely agree, and I think also that to know that there are no
1: rules. So I would, I do the opposite. So I throw pretty much everything away. Sometimes I throw it away immediately. Other times I might keep my journals for a year and then then I'll throw them away. Because how I see it is that it's kind of like you said. I see, well, I'm not that person anymore. So I'd like to move on and and evolve. And because I am a professional writer, I would just have too much stuff. You know, I'm (laughs) writing constantly. Would just be too much but it's it's a tool and i think writing has been bound up with school that people think there are rules and there are uh, guidelines and that you have to do it this way and all it is is that you've had a thought you've had a feeling you've had an impulse and instead of letting that just go you've put it down on paper where you can see it and, and figure out what it means for you it's your like personal navigation system it's such an amazing tool like you know if you were driving in your car and you set the sat-nav to go to wherever you're going, you don't have to save that sat-nav route for the rest of your life. It took you to the next place, and that was great. You just kind of see it like that. You're just rerouting. And I really like the um, image. I read it once a long, long time ago about how pilots make their flight. So when a pilot sets off from London to Madrid or wherever, they make these tiny adjustments constantly tiny, tiny adjustments the whole way through to get to where they're going. And I like to think that life is like that as well. We're just making tiny adjustments and we're going to get wherever we were supposed to go in the end. And your journal, your writing is a tool to help you make those tiny adjustments so that 10, 20, 30 years down the line, you don't end up somewhere you weren't supposed to go. Often we don't know where we're supposed to go as well, if you see what I mean. And the journal is like a trusting
0: your inner self to guide you to, to this wherever this place is. Oh, I love that um the image comparing it to the pilot. That's absolutely gorgeous. And you're right, there's no right or wrong way. It is these, like you said, these constant adjustments and these constant that's that's life, isn't it? But I would like to ask about your views on any potentially problematic journaling practices. I know that you wrote this really beautiful piece for Forbes, didn't you, about um, gratitude journaling. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about that and just not problematics, maybe a bit strong of a word, but yeah, just any things to, I suppose, bear in mind that could teeter onto a slightly more, yeah, negative impact, I suppose. Yeah, I
1: really, yeah, I loved writing that piece for Forbes. That was, and I'm glad you you picked up on that. It was a little bit controversial in a way. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because everybody sort of, you know, goes on about how great gratitude journaling is and you know i'm i'm sure many people know what it is but if you don't know what it is it's just literally listing your gratitudes every day i think people do it in a list a lot of the time yeah. i'm grateful for my house grateful for my daughter grateful for my family grateful you know and just listing all the things you're grateful for so gratitude is amazing for you being in gratitude in your heart space feeling genuinely grateful is only a good thing but the thing the problem i had with gratitude journaling was that I believe that you can use it to bypass the things that are really going on in your life and cover them up with gratitude. And I had this example in the piece from when I was um a teenager when me and my friends had gone to see Madonna and it was um at Wembley in the very old days gosh. And um I was wearing this um you know, this bodysuit this velvet bodysuit and I'd been to music school that morning. I was so exhausted and um <laughs> Everyone was pushing and shoving. We were quite near the front. And then I fainted and I had to get pulled out of the concert. And these were my school friends who I hung out with all the time. So they weren't strangers or anything, but they didn't come to look for me. They just, I don't know what they were thinking. And by the end of the the time, I managed to bump into them somehow. And when we got to the car, my friend's mum was furious with what had happened. My friend's mum was like, don't you ever do that again. You only have one friend. You, you can go and see Madonna anytime. You've only got one friend. Don't ever do anything like that again to your friend. And I kind of chose that example because imagine if I'd gone home that night and enlisted my gratitudes. Oh, I'm so grateful for Madonna concert. I'm so grateful. I've got some nice friends. I'm so grateful my friend's mum drove me home. But the real problem was that I was really upset about this and it wasn't the right thing for someone not to worry about whether you're okay or not after you fainted. Yeah. And we can do that in life in so many big and small ways. We can just think, oh, maybe they didn't mean to say that. Oh, at least I'm grateful that they drove me to the airport, even though they're a bit mean on the way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All these small things that we can bypass with gratitude and... It doesn't get you anywhere. It only gets you just more and more disconnected from yourself. And so I think if you're going to start with a practice, gratitude is such a beautiful, high, loving emotion that I don't think that's the place to start, though. The place to start is with the deeper, more kind of stuff that's really rankling you. That's what we need to clear. Otherwise, you walk around it with the sort of love and light mentality. I'm so spiritual. Oh, I I'm, I love everyone. Gra- you know, I'm grateful for everything I have. And you don't look at the the shame or the fear or the whatever's within you. And when you can't look at that within you, you can't see it in other people either. Yeah. And it just disconnects you from others too. You, you wouldn't be em- truly empathic and compassionate towards other people if you can't be em-
0: truly empathic and compassionate towards yourself. I completely agree because also... The whole idea of this, you know, toxic positivity is something that I feel very strongly about that when, you know, the amount of times that I've been, you know, feeling bad about something and someone's just said, oh, you know, just be positive. And that's kind of what it feels like with gratitude journaling. And yeah, you know, not saying that it's a bad thing to do. Gratitude is so important, but I do very much agree with you that if you're wanting to get to those deep rooted benefits of journaling it isn't the place to start so yeah I'm in complete agreement but equally not surprised it was slightly controversial because it is so popular isn't it it's so
1: popular but do you know what because it's easy yeah and I remember back in the days like 2009 when I first got an iPhone and I didn't know what to do with this iPhone it had been like given to me by my job I had at the time it's like what do I do with this I need some apps and then so I got an app a graphic. Journaling app and I thought, oh, this is easy. I'll just write five things down every day. It's too easy. You know, the benefit of doing just the deep work is, is that it's not easy. And the reason why you get such great results, like that, you you know, that you can truly be healthy, whole, and happy as a result is because you did the things that weren't easy. You went through the hell of just facing your truth. You come out the other side. And then you're light. then you you feel great. Yeah. And you can do gratitude journaling because you're truly grateful then for all that you truly have, having seen it all
0: and, and accepted it all. Absolutely. And so when someone does do that sort of really deep-rooted journaling, what do you think the best benefits are for them? And especially I'd love to hear any of those benefits that people may not necessarily realize, um, or anything that people you've worked with in the past, like these revelations, I think it'd be really nice to, yeah, talk about those gorgeous, abundant benefits that people can take from journaling. I think one of the main benefits is that you do
1: just find your center, your, your emotional center, and you also find the images that help you to heal. So for example, one of my clients was talking about, I think she said it was the rocks in her throat. Hmm. That was the images that kept coming up. There are rocks in my throat, swallowing the rocks. And I think that is the image that will heal her because she needed to heal her throat, the ability to speak, the ability to put her voice into the world. Another key benefit is that the kind of general stress and overwhelm that we feel In life that isn't related to a specific thing. It's just sort of a general stress. And that's often caused by these emotions that are not really integrated into our body. They're sort of ones that we didn't take ownership of them. And that's another great benefit when you're starting to take ownership of all your emotions, that stress and that overwhelm, and that need to really try hard and hustle and push, that goes away. A lot of people keep saying on social media, stop hustling so much. You don't have to try so hard. And some of these messages I think, yeah, but how? How are they supposed to do that then like while well saying it? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it is by taking control of your emotions that why you're needing to hustle, why you're it is really down to your deep whys, why are you doing this? And I think the ultimate benefit is that you see your patterns of behavior, of thought. Of feeling, and you see the patterns of others as well, and you see how are my patterns interacting with other people's patterns, and do I want this? Is that what I want or not? because until you see it in black and white, you just go about in the world and you don't quite know what's going on, and especially for empaths who can't always put a word to what they feel or they don't know what's going on because as empaths you kind of grow up not knowing what your feelings mean, and so then you yeah you have a way to describe what you're feeling and why. And then you can make real powerful, positive decisions like, okay, I want to do this practice. Okay, I don't really want to be in relation with that person. I don't feel good when I'm in relation with them. Or I want to then go and take this direction in my business because actually I've seen that my patterns of strengths would work you know, well with that. And you just then get to make really positive, powerful decisions about your
0: life. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, there's been, yeah, so many times in during my journaling that I've come to some very big realisations and it can be exciting but also terrifying, but those realizations have been waiting to come out, haven't they? So it's so important. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So so important. One thing I wanted to
1: mention that I forgot, I wanted to talk about how journaling is just so grounding the actual act of putting words on a page, making physical marks with a pen or a pencil that grounds your energy. And that's what we need right now because everybody's way up in their heads. People are in a lot of fear right now and people are up in their heads with all conspiracy theories, with all sorts of stuff because they're not grounded. So the energy in their bodies is way up, you know, somewhere in the ether. And it has to be, (laughs) you have to have your feet flat on the ground and sitting down or walking picking up a pen you are grounded that's one of the biggest well not biggest that's the wrong word one of the best things you can do for yourself is ground
0: definitely and if someone had never journaled before or had any of these blocks that we talked about earlier what would you say are a few tips to help them get into journaling for the first time oh that's a nice question um I would say,
1: if the shops are open, or if you can go online, buy yourself a journal that you really like. So not an expensive one, necessarily. Something that you're like your eight-year-old self would really love. Something oh, really yeah. cool. That's what I'd start with. And then buy yourself a really nice pencil, you know, that you really is cool for you. Or a pen that you actually like. I think a lot of the time we sort of use the pen, the chewed up one that's lying on the side (laughs) yeah. and actually do we even like that pen (laughs) you know find the curiosity in it make it really fun and then just scribble don't make it neat if you can't even read your handwriting it's great fine Sometimes I can't even read what I've written. It's so scribbly (laughs) and messy. (laughs) Because that's not the point. The point is not to make it beautiful. Because making it beautiful is a whole other art form. You know, the journalists that make it absolutely beautiful as as a piece of art, that is wonderful, but that's not what we're doing. We're just scribbling. And draw pictures if you want. Doodle. Make a page where there's massive writing in, in the middle of the page. Another page where there's hardly any writing. Rip out pages. If you get the urge to write something down and your journal's not there, write it on the back of an envelope, jot it down on your phone, on a note. It's it's making that connection between your your heart, your, your mind, your body, your heart, and the what you put on a page, the words you put on a page. The, the stakes have to be a lot lower, definitely. And if you are worried that someone might read it, then keep it in a safe place. You know where your safe place is in your home. Or just journal on your phone if you really think that someone's going to pick up your journal you don't feel comfortable at the moment start typing out on your phone instead and start from there
0: yeah I love that idea of almost getting a kind of a childlike energy to it so like you said sort of imagining getting that journal that you would have loved as an eight-year-old and you know I think back to when I was young and I used to write in my diary and it had like a little padlock on it and it was just such a lovely thing to do and it can be nice to take yourself back to that very free non-judgmental childlike state and i definitely think that journaling is such a wonderful way to do that so yeah i really love those ideas oh fantastic well that kind of draws us to the end where i have got something else that i'm going to ask you but first of all This has just been so wonderful to talk about with you. So thank you so, so much. You are fantastic. But I want to close all of these episodes by asking my guests to share three things that fuel their creative fire. So it could be a piece of music, something that's part of your writing ritual. It could be a piece of art. It could be absolutely anything. But yeah, I'd really love to know yours. So I think I have kind of said them already but for me
1: the number one thing I do every morning is I do a grounding meditation so it's like about 12 minutes and it's from my meditation teacher Wendy DeRosa it's literally just listening to the audio and grounding and just sort of going up and down the chakras and making sure my energy's sealed for the day. I've only been doing that since October, and I can't imagine not doing that now. That sparks me to write. The next thing I would do then is start writing. So the second practice is always to write every morning in a very casual way, because I'm also getting my daughter ready for school, you know, and doing breakfast and everything. So it's just casual. It's not strict. You know, words come out, I quickly get them down, and then I do the rest of the morning. And the third thing is walking. Most days, Walking. Yeah, those are the three things. Meditation, journaling and walking. Couldn't be without those. And they just keep my creativity ticking over.
0: Oh, definitely. I'd say that they are absolutely ones for me as well. And I'm looking outside right now and I don't know whether the rain is actually recording on this podcast because it is raining very badly here today. And I'm like, oh, I was so excited to go out for a walk, but I might just have to bundle up with a with a raincoat because I am planning on doing quite a bit of writing for that Grazia Prize this afternoon. I have a giant umbrella that makes people really happy. It's like
1: um, like a Victorian one, really frilly and white and it's enormous. That
0: is awesome. I'm going to have to get one of those. Yeah,
1: it always makes people smile and it makes me happy when I go out um, in the rain because I don't like the rain. So. no.
0: <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. This has been amazing and Yeah, thank you for being my first guest. And yeah, it's been lovely to get to know you a bit more. We've been following each other on socials for a while, haven't we? But it's nice to have a proper natter. And yeah, you've inspired me very much to deepen my own practice, actually. Um, I feel like it could I could do of taking it a few layers deeper. So yeah, just thank you so, so very much.
1: Oh, thank you, Amber. It's been an absolute joy. And I've I've loved talking to you today. So it's been wonderful. Oh, thank
0: you so much. Wow, what a beautiful conversation. If you'd like to connect with Greta, you can find her at greta.solomon.com and on Instagram at greta.solomon. Greta has a brand new journal healing audio course coming out on the 29th of April. Heal the shame that sabotages self expression, and it looks absolutely incredible. You can find out more information about this and her other brilliant courses on her website. If you liked this episode, please hit follow or subscribe. And if you're feeling particularly generous, maybe you could leave it a little review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.